This is Reimagining Healthcare, a podcast about innovation in the healthcare industry. It's a show for healthcare business owners, for healthcare professionals, for industry investors, and health tech entrepreneurs. On the show, I talk to health tech and healthcare innovators to uncover how they're reimagining and building a world of seamless digital healthcare experiences and how that fits into people's lives. I'm your host, Yanni Sapanos. Today, I'm speaking with Laura Simmons, CEO and founder of Theratrack, as well as Leanne Healy, a director of Everyday Independence. In this part one of two, I've extracted from a live stream discussion I hosted late last year, talking with both Laura and Leanne about overcoming barriers or resistance to change in the allied healthcare sector. We get to know both Leanne's and Laura's background within healthcare support in the disability sector, as well as building systems for healthcare providers, their teams and clients. Some of the key points covered are cultural and clinical engagement, health tech and systems, and leadership. Let's jump in. All right, we're going live now. So welcome to everybody who is uh, jumping on to uh, share some time with us over the next uh, 45 minutes or so uh, to have a chat about a um, what we're hearing generally as a, a fairly common problem within, uh, within healthcare in uh, uh, developing and growing healthcare businesses. And uh, I'm really happy to be joined today by uh, Laura Simmons uh, and uh, Leanne Healy. So a little bit of background on both uh, Laura and uh, Leanne. So Laura is uh, the CEO and founder of a emerging occupational therapy application in health tech called Theratrack. And uh, I've uh, known Laura for a little while and uh, I know Laura to be a very passionate person in the space, having had a lived experience as a pediatric occupational therapist. Uh, in providing children uh, living with a range of disabilities uh, with early intervention treatments. Uh, and uh, and that's for over uh, 10 years. Uh, and around about 2018, I think, Laura, you uh, entered the fray with uh, developing uh, health tech innovation uh, in Theratrack, which um, I'll let you uh, talk a little bit more about in a moment. Um, and sort of taking that lived experience, that feedback from your own clients and other peers in your industry to uh, produce the product known as Theratrack. Uh, which has also recently been integrated with Core Plus, and we're really delighted to have that as uh, part of our add-on community. Uh, and we know that there are a lot of uh, allied health professionals uh, looking forward to uh, working with it as well. Uh, and Leanne, uh, I remember having a, a dinner with you at a table a number of years ago uh, in the old world, uh, and um, it was wonderful meeting you. You're in fairly early days then um, in uh, developing the uh, everyday independence uh, business. And uh, I know that you've got a a ton of experience to talk about um, growing a modern healthcare business with uh, technical innovation as as well as uh, very fast growing uh, recruiting and growing of your team across Australia. Uh, So a little bit about Everyday Independence uh, being a national multidisciplinary allied health organisation. And uh, I'll let uh, Leanne talk a little bit more about that in a moment. So um, perhaps, uh, Laura, in your own words, tell us a little bit about yourself as well that um, I haven't covered off at this point. So you've, you've covered off so much of it already. Um, so so grateful to be here. So yes, I am Laura. I'm a paediatric occupational therapist, have worked in the private healthcare sector in Sydney for the last 10 years. Um, been very fortunate to work with a number of different families um, in the disability and DIS sector. And then, yeah, in 2018, I started Theratrack. Um, 
really was a passion project to start off with. I was really sick of giving paper handouts to all of my clients and not seeing any success with the paper handouts being forgotten. So Theratrack is a multidisciplinary platform now. So for OTs, speeches, physios and psychologists mainly, and we support them with a mobile app that enables them to create custom therapy home programs and then track progress from a distance. So that's anything from an exercise to a strategy to a routine or even a one-time reminder, um, just to remind people at the right time to do the things that we're hoping that they'll do so they can succeed with their goals at home. Um, so that's a little bit about me. Um, I'm super excited to be here and um, yeah, really excited to dig into this topic today. Thanks, Laura. That's wonderful. And uh, and Leanne, um, tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing uh, and why you're doing it as well. So Everyday Independence has been around for about 26 years. So we have um, but moved into the NDIS space as as early movers in 2014 in, in some trial sites. And we want to make inclusion possible for all Australians. And the way that we want to be able to do do that is not just to work with individuals but to be able to work with individuals families and whole communities um, we believe that if with a using a social model that if we can build capable environments around people that have some challenges that um, that people are going to be included and, and optimize the things that they're able to do so that's um, we've got a fairly compelling we'll talk about this in, um, as we get going but we've got a fairly compelling why and a fairly compelling mission about making inclusion possible for for everybody and when it comes to innovation and change we really try and make sure that 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 is you know that's our north star fantastic thanks uh, Lan. and i guess that that brings us to i guess the um high level definition of um, today's discussion and that's sort of talking about that resistance to change uh within the allied healthcare sector and and bringing um uh a, a number of perspectives which i think in part um in terms of um operators like myself and laura we work with healthcare business owners and their teams on a daily basis in trying to provide um, improvements and more efficiency and effectiveness uh, in achieving uh, the outcomes that uh, both clinically and uh, in terms of uh, business outcomes. And, um, and and Leanne, you represent um, the allied healthcare community in a sense because you're dealing with then taking products uh, like health tech products such as uh, Theratrack and others and then figuring out how to systemize that and how to bring that to the fore with your own team um, and and, uh, and growing a high-quality, scalable business model that can support uh, clients and participants in the case of uh, disability. So it, when we talk about change and resistance to change, um, I might just start off by saying that, um, in my view, the uh, resistance to change kind of areas um, Part of the challenge of systemizing healthcare and modernizing healthcare, uh, because healthcare is a high quality uh, clinical service that has a lot of uh, training, uh, a lot of uh, professional development, a lot of supervision uh, that, um, in a sense, is really great for quality controlling the delivery of healthcare, but also infuses a sense of resistance to change. Um, and that is kind of my uh, segue into contextualizing today's uh, topic at a very high level. But perhaps, um, Laura, in, in your words, um, talk to me about what you think the change, the resistance to change is and how that applies to today's discussion. 
Um, I, I laugh because I, I wear two hats in this scenario, right? I'm, I'm an OT on one side and a tech founder on the other. So I'm probably in, in the bucket that tech founders and, and, and people in the technical world would be an early adopter. Um, but I think in healthcare, it's, it's a really interesting one, right? Where we're caring for people and, and ultimately at the end of the day, we want to see the best for all of our participants that we work with. And so I think there's a level of maybe some risk adverseness that comes with that. Um, I'm not sure if this will work with my participant. I'm worried what the outcome might be. Um, I'm worried if they'll like it, those sorts of feelings. Um, my favourite response a lot of the time with Theratrack um, when therapists start to use it is, oh, that wasn't so scary, um, which is an interesting comment that I think that they make when we're talking about technology that we use in our everyday life, right? We have our phones that we've been using since the early, well, lot earlier than the early 2000s but um you know with text messaging and instagram and facebook and we're on linkedin and youtube right now this is a normal part of our day-to-day -day. um but healthcare sort of has i feel like it's been left behind and i'm i'm I would love to hear from Leanne later about around the organisational perspective as well um, around that resistance to change and what that is and why that is. Um, I think there's also, from my perspective, as a, as a clinician, there's a little bit of tech burnout in, in the industry as well. We were handed or, or shown a lot of tech early on that maybe didn't work to the way that we wanted it to work or um, we thought that that was exactly how it was supposed to work but it didn't really fit our participants and it didn't fit our how we worked in our workflow and so there's a lot of resistance I think in that space as well where um, yeah that's not going to work for the way I work because the, the last piece of tech that I picked up didn't work the way I wanted it to. Um, as one of the things that Theratrack we're, we're really passionate about is co-designing with industry leaders and industry experts both participants and therapists and clinic owners um, around getting the user experience right. How do we use this in a clinic? How do you, um, what do you want to see next in our product? And, and that Theratrack is sort of an ever-evolving um, platform that you know therapists know that we're continually co-designing we're continually evolving it's kind of like core plus in a way right you're continually adding new products to the system so that um, it's not it's not just a stale piece of technology that sits in a cupboard and it's there and then um, probably the other side of it which I think I'm really passionate is about students um, when I went through uni which really wasn't that long ago 10 years ago there was not really a focus on technology and using technology in practice um, and so one of the things that we do a lot is, is student training. So we go out to universities and train students on how to use Theratrack before they leave um, uni. And I think that's really important just even to have that exposure to, oh, this is a tool that I can use in my practice. Um, and one of my favourite quotes I'll, I'll finish on was um, one of the students said to us at one of the things, oh, we, we don't use a thing like Theratrack in practice. And I thought that was really interesting because they were so used, you know, they're tech natives completely and they were so used to it that they were sort of a bit disjolted that, that it wasn't a thing. So, yeah, so I think that's that's probably for me, that's that's where it lies, Yanni. So if I could just uh, summarise there, Laura, so you, you're sort of seeing that there um, from a training and educational standpoint, the tech really wasn't a focus. Um, yeah. Up until more recently, you use the term tech native. So are you seeing sort of a, a younger cohort of um, the healthcare workforce that is um, not only comfortable with tech, but are actively seeking it? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, I think as well, COVID, I mean, we always say COVID accelerated healthcare and I can't remember the exact statistics around technology 
it was by years and things like that. And so there is more of a focus in universities now around talking about telehealth. Um, but yeah, definitely, I think the um, the younger students, it's it's their norm. They've grown up with technology. It's normal to be on my phone and have a Google Cloud and, um, you know, have the technology as all part of my life. So it makes sense that it would be part of work too. Yeah. And, and so we're kind of dealing with this uh, sort of a different perspectives and attitudes towards whether tech will actually be useful, whether it can be evaluating within the context of healthcare that um, uh, is part of that resistance to uh, members of the workforce who perhaps don't believe in it or haven't had positive experiences of it. Um, whereas there may be some, um, an emerging cohort who um, are actively wanting to embrace it, but perhaps um, may not necessarily know what tech or whether that tech will actually work nicely you know, within the context of the, you know, the um, work that they do. Is that sort of a fair summary? I think so, yeah. And I think the students will almost expect it as part of their workforce as they start to graduate in the next few years, especially like, you know, why am I not using a, a project management tool in my workforce or a, an online communication tool to connect with my teams and things like that? Um, I think it'll be, yeah, the students will definitely expect it as, a, as they graduate in a few years. And even now, I think they are as well. And, and Leanne, um, just going to that uh, definition, I guess, of resistance to change, um, what, what does it mean from your perspective? So it's a great time to talk for me to speak about this at the moment. So um, I, I'm, I'm an innovation and change junkie and it actually didn't take me very long to realise that you can't have innovation without logistics. And I, I think I'm much more today, I'm much more confident about um, talking about transformational change than I was even six months ago or a couple of years ago. And, um, and I think for this, you know, t- for people to really get something out of this, out of this webinar, I'm pretty keen to be um, quite transparent and, and honest here that for quite a few years, we just, at Everyday Independence, we had the most amazing, fantastic ideas, great innovations. We just could not land anything. It was just so challenging for us to land and integrate change successfully. And I think just me personally, I was talking a lot about change resistance within the organisation and I view it quite differently now and and perhaps if I can just sort of share some of that change of thinking that that I've had, it might be useful for some of the listeners. But um, Please, Leanne, yeah, would, would love to hear your experience. So, so one of the things that um, that we did, one of our challenges was that we were introducing change continuously and innovating continuously. At the same time, we were growing rapidly, um, not just size and numbers, but growing to a national organisation. And we were able to um, introduce change quite successfully because we had a very, very flat structure. Then what we did as part of our growth is it was absolutely necessary for us to professionalise our management and our leadership and we, we really added on an executive layer and then another layer um, in terms of leadership and um, that, was, that was a really great thing for us to do, brought in some very, very clever, innovative people, um, subject matter experts and um, really shaped up our governance. But... What we did with change is that we still continued to communicate and drive change 
from the top down. Um, and that's what I said. We just couldn't seem to land anything. So what what we realised was that our senior leaders had the power to make decisions that were going to significantly impact the collective experience of work for people. But at the same time, the people that were delivering the messages were a couple of layers removed from the people on the ground doing the work. I guess what we now realise that um, that the people, our, our therapists that are the, and our admin support people that are on the ground doing the work, they don't want or need town hall motivational speeches announcing changes. They, they actually need leaders and supervisors who have the direct influence over them and understand the factors that affect their work to be the people that are delivering really straightforward and consistent messages that are aligned but also quite nuanced for that area. So, um, I mean, people just really want to know what the change is and how it's going to affect them and um, and they want to be able to understand how they have ownership and can influence this change. Yeah, so a, cu- a couple of um, highlights there that I picked out from what you were saying, Leanne, is... Um, and, and I'm paraphrasing um, in terms of how I heard it, uh, but you know you go through different stages as you're growing a healthcare business. Uh, so you know you you use the term you had a relatively flat organisation when it was a little bit smaller, um, mm-hmm. and um, and then as things grew, um, you know that sort of vertical hierarchy revealed a communication issue, and you sort of had some central uh, kind of ideas being espoused out to the team and there was a disconnect as far as that goes. Um, is that sort of a fair summary of what you're describing there? Yeah, that, that's a great summary. I think that what we, um, what was challenging for us to really um, support our team members with was how can individuals realise their own aspirations and potential and still be part of a collective purpose? And that takes fairly skilled on-the-ground leadership. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate to that. And um, um, you, you mentioned that leadership had, uh, in a sense, and, and again, this I'm, I may not be using the exact right words in terms of how um, I heard it and how I want to ask this question, uh, but the you, you had to uh, reflect on the way leadership was espousing the plan or espousing the, um, the strategies to move it away from, um, what, uh, direction to actually um, cooperation. And, and working more closely with the team. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think there were a couple of aspects to it. Um, we had to we had to support the leaders to work with individuals to make sure that the individual's purpose could could come together as a collective purpose. And then we had to we wanted to support the leaders to support the individuals to move from engagement to a sense of ownership. So once people have a sense of ownership around the changes and they know how what, you know, what they what their role is in the change, what aspects that they can make decisions about, um, that they're much, you know, it's they're much more confident to adopt it. And I, I think the other thing that we need that we did too was we found champions and tried to create visibility of the change and success stories. So um, working with the end user or the participants that were the were, that were benefiting from these change and sharing those stories and really working a lot on visibility. 
Um, yeah, so that they've been some useful strategies. Yeah, um, that's really interesting. I might, I might just um, put forward uh, my perspective. You know, uh, Core Plus doesn't provide healthcare services per se, but um, we do manage teams of people. And um, I know in the early days, uh, um, I wasn't as experienced uh, or adept at managing as I am today. So I was. Um, uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of kilometres on the clock, so to speak, that need to be. You, you have to grow as a person, I think. Um, to evolve yourself. And I think um, what I experienced is that um, in the early days, um, for starters, I'm an extreme empowerer. And um, and when you're in early stage or startup mode, that means that um, uh, there's a lot of processes that can occur simultaneously because everybody who is empowered to start a process starts one. And, um, and then you have multiple sort of processes operating and, um, and they overlap and they're not necessarily consistent. They're not necessarily quality controlled or as, um, scalable as you'd like. And then as the journey unfolds, you, you hit a point where, um, you can see it. Um, and as a leader in the business, I could see that within myself. So in other words, the, the, the business in a way, this is how I relate to it. The business to me was reflecting back at me, uh, um, my positives and my, my negatives, my strengths and my weaknesses, so to speak. So, um, I had to do a lot of introspection there to actually figure out what part of the, um, the business was, um, something that I needed to change versus what needed to change within other people. Uh, and, um, what I really draw from what you're saying, Lan, is, um, getting side by side with people. And, um, I had to evolve to be less extreme empowerment and actually start working more closely with, um, with various team members and, um, and figuring out what's the best way to do this. Uh, what's the best way to have a process that extends beyond the individual, beyond a small team and actually, um, has positive impacts on every, every other stakeholder in the business so that we could achieve our purpose. I really love that terminology that you use there as well. Um, and that was a real turning point in actually, bringing everybody onto the same page, um, understanding that you can still offer empowerment, but still also have an overlay of, um, control in the type of, um, experience your customers are having in the, in the service. So it's kind of marrying up that leadership aspiration of wanting to direct the business in a certain, in a certain direction in terms of where it's going strategically, but also allowing people to own their bit of it and fit into it quite neatly. Um, so that's kind of been something that, um, I found that my, my personal growth as a leader started to manifest itself within the business. And that started to change the way that we made decisions around software, around systems, around training development, and bring a cohesive group of people together. Does any of that resonate, um, with you, Laura? And, and we'll come back to you, Leanne, and, and hear whether that resonates with you as well. Yeah, I think so. I think the the big key point I was I was listening to Leanne and, and what you were saying was around that clinical champion and the clinical champion model that we talk about a lot in the in the tech world of find your clinical champion and they'll help um, bring the technology into the into the business. Um, I think one of the different aspects about how how we did it with with everyday independence was we had a clinical champion team so we had a group of therapists that um were using theratrack and then the, the stories of success i think that's a really powerful thing um as therapists and understanding how therapists work um and understanding and how what they relate to when it comes to um why I choose to use a certain piece of technology or why I choose to do a, cer a certain thing a different or a certain way um, and learning and, and seeing the impact of, oh, this, this helped 
this person be able to do X, Y, or Z, or um, this help this person be able to reach this goal faster or something like that. I think that's a really powerful way of, of doing that groundswell of helping lots of therapists and lots of, lots of um, participants and, and different, different parts of the workforce change. So I think that that clinical champion model, I really, really love. Um, but I think it's from what you were saying, Leanne, it's definitely, there is this top down element that has to happen um, from a leadership approach, not just, um, the clinical champion who might be working on the ground with their participants and really wanting their work, their you know, the way that they work to change. But that leadership piece, the processes piece also has to change so that um, the, the tech can be adopted well and, and, and loved almost really, I think. Liam, what are your thoughts on that? I think that as as a founder, I've you know I've got a responsibility to if we use TheraTrack as an example, to be able to speak about the the benefits of an of introducing TheraTrack and the impact it's going to have on the industry. Therapists are going to be able to work at the top of their scope. We're, more people are going to be able to access therapy, people are going to get faster outcomes. And so I would always within the organisation speak about change at a very high level and talk about how it's going to benefit the organisation, the participant, the sector, the NDIA, um, the Commonwealth, and really paint that big picture collective purpose. You know, we're all in this together. And then I think for a while I would go, okay, so go and do it. And actually wondering why change wasn't landing. And the most important people that we've that we've found are not just the champions, but the sense makers. And so we've called the, you know, one of the real skills for our middle management is in sense making. So to be able to take that big picture vision, which we all we all need, that North Star, we need to know how Theratrack is going to connect to the bigger picture. But you need the middle management, you need the sense maker to say, and this is actually how this relates to us as a team. And then you need the direct supervisor to be able to say, and this is what your day-to-day work could look like. If you started using TheraTrack, then you might be able to then do A, B and C or not not do these things. And the, the role of the sense maker is really, and I guess my role, is to help people to be able to zoom out for a while and to be able to say, okay, so that's the big picture. And then their direct supervisor connects with them and says, and what is important to you? And how can we connect those two for collective purpose? Yeah, that's really great. I I, I love that terminology, the sense maker. Um, it, it's kind of um, well, I th- maybe it's good. It's a good uh, point to just summarise where we're at at the moment. So you know, um, we we're each of us in our own way hearing, and we're living and hearing in our own way the the issues with um, uh, resistance to change, and um, and and that holds back. Um, all stakeholders in in healthcare, because if we can unlock the value and the benefit of um, better ways to do things, and uh, um, you know, ultimately the recipients of that value are the you know the participants, the clients, the workforce, uh, and land to your broader vision, the Commonwealth. I love it. It's like a huge um, huge sense of um, scope to your vision around the type of impact uh, that you can have, because if um, if we're modernising healthcare, and all it's a win-win-win across every 
stakeholder. That's a positive thing. That's a good thing. We get um, better clinical outcomes. We get a happier workforce that's not burning out and is enjoying careers for much longer. Um, we have some adaptability in the way the workforce organizes itself and perhaps doesn't necessarily need to stay in a single location in order to um, provide healthcare services and can move to more regional or remote areas and support people in those areas. Next week, we pick up the discussion with both Leanne and Laura, covering topics about the big picture, collective purpose, making sense at a team level, and its impact on driving systemic change with health tech. Speak to you then. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Health Tech X, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website, healthtechx.com.au. Or if you have any feedback about the show, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Instagram, or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos, and I'll speak to you in our next episode.